Welcome to Balancing Point Podcast, where you will experience the captivating world of professional ballet. On this show, you will hear what it takes to make it in the exclusive world. Each guest will share with you their struggles, their I've made it moments, and their advice for success. And ultimately, you will learn what it is really like to live your dream. Join your host, Kimberly Falker, and today's inspiring guests as they take you on a behind-the-scenes journey into ballet. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Balancing Point Podcast. My guest today is a little bit different from my usual guest. Uh, She's not a dancer, and she does not work in the world of professional ballet. In fact, my guest is Dr. Linda Stirrup, who is a dentist. But uh, in addition to being a dentist, she's also the author of a children's book series featuring a young girl named Natalie Jean. And the reason I'm talking with her today is because her latest book in the series is called Up on My Tippy Toes. And in this super sweet book, Natalie Jean sees a ballet performance and then wants to um, take dance classes. So she convinces her mom to enroll her in a dance class. And as you might guess, after her first class, she was very discouraged as it did not come quite as easy as she had thought and therefore it wasn't as fun as she thought it might be. And for any of you out there that have children, you probably understand this feeling when you enroll your child in something brand new. So what's great about this book is a very nice life lesson occurs. Uh, She comes home discouraged, talks to her mom. Her mom uh, convinces her to go back, give it a try, work on the um, move that she's having a difficult time with. And of course, she perseveres and actually overcomes and does really well and enjoys class. So it's a great book to teach life lessons and it's a very beautiful book. It's got a beautiful illustrator and it's well written. And the reason that I'm featuring this guest today is because I thought maybe if you're looking for an extra holiday gift, it might be a fun book for you to add to your shelves. And if you'd like to do that, you can find her book on Amazon or um, Barnes and Noble. And again, her name is Dr. Linda Stirrup. So let's go ahead and get started with this interview. Well, Linda, it's so great having you on the show. Before we get started, why don't we uh, get a little bit of background and history about who you are, and then go ahead and give the audience more information as to uh, where the book came from, and you know, we'll dive in from there. Well, um, I'm a pra- right now. I'm a practicing d- general dentist. I work. Um, in a large uh, dental company, and I see uh, predominantly uh, children. I have a large children work out of Houston, Texas. And before I got into dentistry, I used to be a teacher. I taught um, science for seven years in the uh, Houston Independent School District. And then now you segue into being a children's author, even though you're still a practicing dentist, that's a whole nother huge venture. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so, it's, it's, life is something, Kimberly. I mean, you know, I had my first book, A Sugar Bug on My Tooth, was, was taken from my experience being a dentist, seeing young patients that are afraid of, of going to the dentist. And my dad's a dentist, so I do know what you're talking oh. about. <laughs> Okay. He's down in Florida. And when I was in high school, I was uh, not forced, but, you know, I I worked as an assistant and I was probably the worst assistant that he's ever had because 
I'm a little woozy around the medical field. And so he's still practicing and he loves it. He's got a gift for sure. Oh, yeah. But um, that that um, those experience seeing the, the children um, in my dental practice being afraid of you know, a, um, a dental exam, it just gave me the, the idea of my first book. That's perfect. Yeah. Yeah, I have my the, the my book series. Um, the, the the protagonist of my books is Natalie Jean, and she, she is actually my niece. And so she, during her first vi- uh, dental um, visit, her exam, she was somewhat afraid. So it just coincided with what I'm doing here in Houston, and she's having the same issue. You know, they live in Madison, Wisconsin. And so it, it just really, you know, gave me the drive to really get this book on because there is a need and a purpose for um, uh, kind of exposing young children to their first dental appointment, which is, you know, very important because that sets the tone for later appointments as well as other health care. And what a great book to to send to parents as a gift before they send their or take their kids to their first dental appointment. Oh, absolutely. I mean, all my books, I want them to be for the young readers, but also for the parents. So you wrote your first book and then how long of a break between your first book and the current book? Um, it was about a year and a half. I mean, I had a good response with my first book and just the energy and excitement of have you know publishing and seeing your work come to fruition and the response from the audience and it it, it was just a good feeling all around um it, a year about a year and a half later uh up on my tippy toes was complete and i've had to balance you know my writing you know in the evening or on my side i guess what can i say <laughs> With, with, with my job and my life and everything and just try to write as, you know, write as much as I can on the weekends and the late evening. Um, so it took about a year and a half to get it together. But again, um, once it, it once, once I finished it, I was happy and I'm just excited about this second installment. Yeah, the, the subject of your second book, Up on My Tippy Toes, which is why we're talking, is about ballet. Where did that um, concept come from? Well, it was another experience um, from my niece, Natalie Jean. Her mom took her to a, um, a performance, and she was so excited from that performance, she wanted to take, to take dance lessons. And so her mother enrolled her in dance lessons, um, Initially, it was it was hard for her. She struggled. She wanted to give up, but her mom encouraged her to stay, you know, stay the course, practice, and so now she's she enjoys it and she's doing well. And it happened to be ballet. That's great. Yeah, because I love this story. How she, it's it's so typical of of children to get excited about something, and then when it doesn't happen easily, or when the work, you know. When it, that's right. And so that's so important. Because, and even it, children, it, this can affect children as well, as well as adults. You know, we become excited about stuff. And then when it's hard or becomes challenging, challenging, we throw in the towel. And so well, I'm sure you felt it when you were writing, even, you know, you get writer's block or you you write something and 
you know, you look at it and you say, mm, this, this doesn't sound right, or I can write this sentence better, or the flow needs to be changed, or, you know, you always second guess your own work. It just goes with the flow. However, you know, I, I, I'm happy at the final result and um, I'm just excited about this book. Oh, yes, I, I just love the illustrations and kind of the layout of it. How did you find an illustrator? Um, uh, Reginald Butler, he's a fantastic illustrator um, out of New York City. He has worked with um, major in, animation companies and cable companies and he's just an awesome person and just contact um just met someone who knew someone that recommended uh, reginald and and brought us together and we just work wonderful together and and he is and you know he's brilliant he's he's um very extremely talented and he's really really a, just a nice person and so i'm just well i think that some of what he did in the illustrations that i think he are so good as even the the nonverbal language, you know, with with Nat Natalie Jean's mother and some of her eye, you you can see the emotions even though it's in in more of a cartoony illustration. Yeah, he just really uh, puts his heart and his he's just talented. He's he's gifted. He's just a gifted artist. Now, did you send him photos or how did he kind of? get his concepts of, of the, what Natalie Jean or her mom would look like. Well, okay. With the picture of Natalie Jean, I just sent him a photograph of my niece at the, and he took that and just ran with it. I mean, and so I just told him, and as far as her mother, um, just, you know, told him to illustrate or draw, you know, a picture of a mother. Okay. And, um, so I came up with the story. I sent him the story, the text. Then he broke down various sentences to come together. Yeah, I guess like an equation, like 22 pictures for, it, it's something graphic that he deals with. It's kind of complicated, but he came up with the, the, the illustrations to match up the text. And, and so we worked together um, on the computer. He would send me sketches. I would approve them. I would say, can we change this? Can we do that? Uh, he would do it. I mean, he was just, you know, extremely accommodating. Extreme. Now, was he the same? Was he your illustrator for the first book? Oh, yes, absolutely. Okay. I figured it would have to have some consistency, yes, but I was, yes. wasn't sure. And he's, he's, you know, we've talked and he's going to be on board with me for uh, all of the Natalie Jean book series. Do you have an idea of how many you want to do, or is it going to just grow kind of organically? Just grow organically. I mean, just as the idea, I, I already have several topics in my head, um, and just how I can, however, get to them, just put them out, and, um, you know, but I, I don't have, like, a set number. I want to go on and on, because learning is an ongoing thing, and it's just so much, so it's, it's really no, you know, period. You know, it's ongoing. Now, I read somewhere that Missy Copeland was kind of somewhat of an inspiration or, you know, that you have a point of view about arts with, you know, the African-American culture and such. What was what did I read? Yes, absolutely. Uh, Missy Copeland, um, the ballerina, she's uh, been a role model um, for my uh, niece, Natalie Jean. 
um, when she was excited about when she became excited about excited about dance, she really got into you know, Misty Copeland. And so I just think that fine fine arts period is an important concept for young children to to uh, kind of find out what they like to do. Um, it, it's just part of, is a good way to incorporate in their development process of, of whom they are. And because it's it the, I think the fine arts along with academics creates a whole child that's very positive and very success and can be very successful. And see, uh, that's that's you know that's what happened to me. Um, I started at a young age playing music, and that just kind of made me more focused and and more serious about you know everything that I did. And so, um, and I think that's important, you know, whether it's ballet, dance, uh, theater, music, just any of the fine arts, it's important for, um, for young people to um, just kind of venture into and find their, what they like to do, because that in itself can take them a long way. Yeah, because didn't I read that you played how many instruments? <laughs> like five? <laughs> uh, yeah, I kind of. Yeah, I kind of, you know, in my heyday, oh, man, like started in elementary school. In elementary school, my first instrument was the clarinet. That's usually everybody's first instrument, either the clarinet or the flute or the trumpet. Okay. And um, so I started off with the clarinet. And then when I moved to junior high school, well, the clarinet's not loud enough. I needed a, a louder instrument. So I moved to the saxophone. And that was loud, okay. And and I really liked it. And the band director, you know, I don't know if he just liked me as, you know, a student or whatever, but he saw something special in me. And, you know, he told me that, you know, that I had a little something musically that, you know, that he that impressed him. And so, you know, I got more solos and, and, and first chair. You know, I don't know if you know about when you're considered first chair, of your instrument, you're the you're the best in the group. But, so that just kind of encouraged me, like, okay, I want to do better. I want to do, you know, I want to continue this. So I played in um, all through junior high, and I played all in high school. The various bands, you know, concert, marching, wind ensemble, jazz. Um, I played saxophone in my church. Now I self taught. Uh, I taught myself how to play the guitar. Um, I could keep a beat on a drum set pretty good. You know, I come from a musical family, kind of. And so, you know, I, I just, you know, I just like music. Obviously multi-talented. I look at you from teacher to dentist to author. And obviously, like you said, I do believe that some of that um, full life of arts in, a, in conjunction with education does kind of create a, a richer or more open ability to be more talented in many aspects. Right. It just it just does something to you mentally because you have to you have to have a certain focus when you study music. OK, I can teach about me uh, speak on music. You have to have a certain concentration focus when you study music. So somehow that clicks to the education side of whatever you're doing and you because you know, just in your higher education, going to law school. Well, when I went to dental school, you, you can't, you know, haphazardly just go through those 
programs. You have to be focused, okay? You got to be focused, dedicated, and serious. Right. So, yeah. Or foolish. <laughs> or foolish, right. <laughs> but then, hey, but then, Kimberly, when you walk across the stage and you get that degree, it's like the best feeling in the world. That's true. It, I, I've had... For me, it was a bit of an imposter syndrome. <laughs> Wait, well, I remember that my first day of teaching, thinking, when are these kids going to realize I don't know what I'm talking about? Oh, Lord. <laughs> well, a, a professor said, you may not, you may think that you may not know what you're talking about, but you know more than what they, they know. do. Yeah. They Even do. if I was just counting on my fingers while I turned my back. <laughs> okay. Whatever it takes. <laughs> no, it was, it was fun. <laughs> How did you know how to get published or find a, that whole process? Because that's not, that's not an easy feat from what I know or from what I've heard, at least. Yeah, it's challenging. You know, the, the, best, the, the, the important thing that you have to do is your research. Before you start putting any type of funding down, do your research. Because you don't want to make costly mistakes, say, getting with the wrong publishing company or getting more than what you need or uh, just, you know, just financially making the wrong decisions. What I did was I researched several uh, self-publishing companies and reading through all their stuff, the first time they all sound the same, okay? And so then you just put it away and say, oh my God, what am I getting myself into? But then when you have a second win, you go back through and you start to eliminate the ones that you don't want, okay? And then, and then you talk to a couple of representatives so then, to make a long story short, I chose Author House, and I, the reason why I chose Author House, number one, the representatives or the agents that I spoke with were, were nice and everything, but then their uh, corporate office is in Bloomington, Indiana, and that's where I went to college in, at Indiana. Okay. So I took that as a sign. Well, yeah, you got to look for something, right? <laughs> <laughs> Anything. So I, I took that as a sign. How'd you like that college? Because I know they have a really fabulous ballet program. And I know a lot of um, aspiring dancers have asked about that as a, as a campus and a school. Yeah, they do. They have a good theater arts and then they have a good um, music department. Because really and truly in the country, there's only about three or four, um, maybe five uh, colleges or universities that have super strong classical ballet um, programs. You know, there's obviously a, a wider range of contemporary from like NYU or Fordham or those type of schools, but there are very few actually that really focus on the classical ballet. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Well, Linda, what would be, you know, based on your experiences in life and especially, you know, as an author and publishing your book and such, what advice would you have, you know, with, to the Natalie Jeans of the world that are aspiring to do something in dance? Just just find something that you like. You know, it's don't go throughout life not doing anything. And I tell my young kids in my practice, you know, when I ask them, okay, what's, the, what's your favorite subject in school? And they'll say, oh, I really don't have one. I'm like, okay. And I said, well, what do you like to do? I don't know. 
And so then I get on my soapbox and I say, you know, school is the time where you become involved and active in the activities, whether it's in academics, a certain subject, sports, you know, clubs. And, and that's how you kind of discover the things that you like to do. But if you just kind of stay on the sideline and not do anything, you'll never know what, what kind of creative uh, energy or what your gift is if you're not putting it out there trying to figure out what it is. It could be something so little and then you nurture it to become something so great. And so being, you know, be involved, be present in if you're in school, whether it's elementary school, middle school, or even high school, be present, enjoy yourself. And, and you'll never and, and because that's how you'll know what your gift is. And that's how you go out and share your gift with the world. Oh, I love that. I think I'm going to. Um cut that out and play it for my son. My 13 year old son is, uh, he, he, he has the same response when I say, what's your favorite subject? I don't know. I don't know. I don't have one. I don't have, I, I'm like, okay. But you know what? That's, that's middle school because see, I taught middle, middle school. school. Yeah. Oh, okay. I taught eighth grade for. And that's um, what he's in. I wish he had had you as a teacher. <laughs> oh gosh. I, I'm like, Oh, I, you know, my favorite, um, time of the year was the beginning of the year the, the the end of the year made me somewhat sad but my favorite time of the school year was the beginning because that's when I that my new kids would come in and then I kind of study them and then you know I I don't first off start you know not screaming and yelling but you know getting kind of strong with them I just kind of see how far they would take me and see the different personalities and see what I need to adjust in this person and just, you know, and so that to me, I was like, okay, here we go. Here we go. And by the end <laughs> of the year. Oh man. They, you know, I have them ready for ninth grade, let's just say. Oh, and that's, that's a huge responsibility to prepare them for high school correctly. Ex correctly. That's right. You know, because eighth graders are like they're just on the verge of getting kind of that I don't need this attitude when in fact it if it was done correctly it would be firing them up for that that good stretch yeah. you know to prepare and, and them and they still and they still have the little the child in I know yeah they're trying to cross over to I'm grown I, I know what I'm doing I'm you know, know. the thing still <laughs> so it's that fine line it's like you have to walk it the, the voice change it's kind of happening it's like what is it peter brady from brady exactly. bunch <laughs> yeah when it's time to change yeah exactly i love the brady bunch by the way but um but yeah just, but you know but the good news kimberly everything's gonna be all right because they're just going through their moment and just kind of trying to figure out stuff but just continue to to hug him love him and he'll be just fine. yeah well he's he's my koala bear hug a bug it's uh it's my my sixteen year old daughter that's more of the show. Oh, okay, that's another story. Oh, Lord, okay. <laughs> well, she's the passionate ballerina, oh, okay. and she, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, in fact, that's the whole um, history behind this podcast is trying to figure out how to navigate this crazy world of um, ballet, which has kind of always been shrouded in a little bit of mystery. And so, as her journey into that next level of kind of that more elite level began to unfold, I was so confused and, you know, didn't, I'm a researcher by, by nature. And so I didn't want to just listen to the urban legends or the voices of people that I didn't know if for sure that was the right thing to do. So 
I figured the best way to figure out what to do is to talk to those that had made it and see whether or not what path we're on makes any sense whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So as this podcast has grown and as my experiences have, um, or the, I've spoken to more than a hundred people now. And so with every amazing story I've heard, it makes me realize that, um, I'm crazy and not crazy at the same time mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> with, with every decision that we're making, it is even crazier than the last one, but all these people that I've spoken to have been on their own path of, you know, to, to reach your passion or reach that level, you know, you have to make some pretty big sacrifices, it seems like. Yeah. And, um, you know, my, my dad, my parents, my, both my parents, they say in different ways, but basically the take home message is anything worthwhile, take, uh, it takes hard work. But you want to do it in a positive way to where it doesn't stress you out. It's it's a it's a journey, but then it's a positive journey. And so, you know, Mike, my, my my dad said, you know, we support you with any with everything you want to do, just as long as it's constructive. Right, and that's you know that's been the crazy journey that we've been on because it's it's one step forward, one step back, three steps forward, two steps back. You know, and at the end of it all, you know, it's it's. The world of doing something as um, full-time as what she's doing, it's defining, you know, whatever it is, it is what she is at this point. You know, it's kind of all she knows, and she's happy, but it's it's certainly not a, um, a typical lifestyle or a typical childhood, that's for sure. So it's interesting because I have two children, one who is very atypical, living a very atypical lifestyle. And then the other who's, you know, just exactly the way every other child, you know, so it's kind of interesting to have two ends of the spectrums because my son is, you know, normal brick and mortar school, doing normal sports, having tons of social activities. And my daughter does online school and goes to the dance studio from nine to five every day and starts her high school day at seven o'clock at night. And none of it's none of it's uh, easy, but it's it's a it's a choice that we made this year. And as I've written in my blog post before, my my mantra in life is never say never. Every time I ever say I'm not going to do something, it winds up happening. <laughs> oh yeah. I will never let my child do online school to dance. Well, here we are. Oh yeah, I I, I just learned never to say never say never. Never say never. Yeah, it's, it's something true to that statement. <laughs> yeah. Well, it leaves you more open and more absolutely more mm-hmm. um willing to to just consider options and that's right well linda thank you so much and i love your advice i i I personally love it and i'm sure that my audience is gonna resonate and if they want to get um, a copy of your book where would they find it oh you could go uh amazon.com barnes and noble dot com uh authorhouse.com just any of the major bookstores. Well, good. Well, I'm going to for sure get a copy of it myself because I just think it's just so sweet and really oh, pretty. Thank you. Thank you so much, Cameron. Thank you. And thank you for having me. Thanks again for listening and be sure to tune in next week. It's a very different episode that we'll have on the Balancing Point podcast. And the reason I say that is because I will be the one in the hot seat. 
One of my listeners is a professor at a college, and you'll hear a little bit more about this next week, but she reached out to me. She's in the middle of doing some research on a book that she's writing about ballet in America. And so she reached out to me and asked if I would uh, be interviewed for, for information and research for her book. And in our conversations, we came up with the concept that maybe in addition doing, to doing research for her book, sh- we could use that interview as as one of my podcasts or an episode for my show. So next week, I'm actually going to be in the hot seat. She will be asking the questions of me. And so if you've ever wanted to know more information that you haven't heard before about me, go ahead and tune in next week. After that, going forward in the new year, we will go back to the original and the regular shows with dancers and professionals in the world of uh, ballet. And I've got some really great guests lined up for you. I've done some really nice interviews recently and I'm excited to share them with you. So be sure to tune in after the next or next week for me and then going forward in the new year 2016 we're going to be getting into some more really great inspirational interviews from professionals so until then happy holidays stay safe and i just want to tell you how grateful and thankful i am for each of you for taking the time to listen and participate in my show and reach out to me anytime i love hearing from you you can give me suggestions critiques ask me questions. I really don't care because I really love interacting with any of you that um, are listeners of Bouncing Point Podcast. So happy holidays and have a great day.